You're listening to another sermon by Pastor Michael Zapata from the Potter's House Christian Church. Book of John chapter 10, hallelujah. There were two door-to-door salesmen that were going street to street trying to sell their merchandise. This particular day, they came across this very angry neighbor on the street. And the moment that they knocked on the door, this very angry uh, lady answered. And just before they began their speech to sell their product, she made a huge noise and said, I don't want your products and slammed the door. Unfortunately, the door didn't latch, and so it opened back up. These two salesmen were staring at her and couldn't help but chuckle a little bit at this funny occasion. They thought, well, it's an opportune time. The door is back open, so let's begin our speech. And she said, I don't want to, and she slammed the door again to their amazement. The door, boom, back open. By this time, the two salesmen couldn't restrain themselves, and so they began to laugh maniacally, hysterically. Finally, she said, she was, you know, how could they try to stop this door from slamming this time? And she put all her back, and just as she went to do it, her son said to her, Mom, maybe you should move the cat out the way. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to have a good night tonight. I want to preach to you on the door tonight. Because the truth is, is that there are doors that will open in our lives. That we will step into and will be recipients of all that God has for us. But what we need to understand is that. It's very instrumental. We need to be very careful in which door we walk through. In the book of John chapter 10, I'm going to read verse 9 and 10, two verses. Jesus is speaking to a multitude and he uses the phrase, the door, as a description of who he is as the Messiah. Read along with me. The Bible says, John 10, 9 through to 10. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The door. Let's first focus on the door. The definition of a door is a hinged, sliding, or revolving barrier at the entrance. It can be at a building, a room, on a vehicle, or a framework, or cupboard. These doors are there and they're strategically placed to keep things in and to keep things out. How many know that? If we didn't have doors in our house, uh, uh, you know, it would just be a free-for-all. And so we appreciate and we value the importance uh, of doors. 
When we went to Phuket, uh, that place was so humid that most of the areas, the o- it was just all open areas because it was so humid. But what we want to look at is the importance of a door because Jesus describes himself as being the doorway by which you can uh, receive eternal life. And what we need to understand tonight is that a true door leads us to a place where we can feed and we can grow. The word pasture in the Greek, uh, strongs, is the act of feeding. And so here we have uh, this uh, 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 descriptive word that says Jesus is the doorway to by which you're going to grow, you're going to flourish, you're going to learn. And this is, this is the characteristic of a Christian life. Can anybody say amen? That before we were saved, before we came to church, before we picked up the manual to life, we were living with a very limited understanding. In fact, we were trying things, we were experimenting, we were involving ourselves in things that we thought would benefit us and make us happy, but led us to a place of hopelessness. It doesn't take long to realize That this world promises you so much, but delivers so little. And so here is Jesus describing who he is, saying, I am going to lead you to a pasture. I'm going to lead you to a place that you have been searching for that will meet every need. How many know that Jesus meets every need? He's able to provide He's able to increase. He's able to pour out in abundance in every single area of our lives. There is no limitation to the God that we serve. And what's interesting about every other God that may be served in the pagan world, it would only specialize in certain areas. You have the moon God. You have the day God. You have the God of the harvest, you have the God of the wind, you have the God of the waters, and these are very specific gods for specific times and specific areas, and you have to do a certain dance or stand on one foot in order to get the attention of one specific God. But the God that we serve is the doorway to a life that is every need it can be met. What you need to understand is once you've walked through the door of Jesus Christ, you'll recognize there's nothing like it. There's nothing else like it. But the moment we walk through, this is now the opportunity. Now, again, this is not, we're not talking about a prison sentence. When you become a Christian, it's not that that's it. But here he says that we go in and go out and find the pasture, be saved in this pasture. And so you need to understand Jesus is trying to help you to understand that the life that he can provide you is better than any life you can provide for yourself. He highlights the fact of the opposite in verse 10. The thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy I've come that they may have life and they may have life more abundantly. Now, Jesus is bringing a spiritual parallel. Man opts to trust in the things of this world. 
Man will opt to trust in things that they can see, that they can hold. And this is why many men, when they work, they find their identity in work. I'm going to give myself to this, and this becomes my identity. And so you need to understand that this world can only provide so much for us. The God that we serve is able to lead us to a pasture that meets every need. That's the door we want to walk through. That's the door every single one of us needs to be comfortable to walk through. It's a very demonic strategy of Satan when it begins to try to twist things. Oh, the church, the church this and the church that. And oh, you know, uh, uh, it's a very, uh, uh, you know, it's a demonic strategy of Satan preventing people to come to church. It's amazing to me. Uh, you know, they have no idea. And again, it's a very daunting thing because I, I've been raised in church. In fact, we lived at church and we would go home to visit every so often. That's how much church we had. And so, we, you know, uh, uh, for me, it was just a very simple concept. But uh, uh, for many who haven't been raised in church, there's this uh, image. There's this, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, immediately it's like you've got to be very careful where you're going. But thank God that the door that we walk through when it's Jesus Christ, it leads us to a place of fulfillment. So let's look secondly this evening at entering in. Jesus presents us with a choice. And this is where we need to dial in this morning, uh, this evening. Because Christianity is not a life uh, that is forced upon each and every one of us. Many can say, well, I was raised, or I was born, or I was brought up. Uh, but the truth is, is that true Christianity uh, is a choice. It's a decision that we make uh, with our own consciousness, being able to factor in every single aspect, uh, uh, common, add common sense to that, uh, and come to a very rational decision. Prior, it has been uh, one that we know was a mandate. If you're going to be in this house, you're going to come to church with us. Uh, and, uh, and it was uh, a force upon the next generation only to rebel. Uh, and we see that uh, uh, this can have very devastating effects. But thank God that the God that we serve always gives us a choice. Even in the very Garden of Eden, right at the beginning, uh, He places His creation, Adam and Eve, in a, a utopia. A place where you can live and flourish and have everything you want. Uh, and He says, but, there's a clause. You can eat of every tree that's in this garden except one. Don't eat of that tree. And the Bible says... Now that's the tree that they took of. Now, I did a little bit of, I'm not, you know, I don't really have a green, green thumb or any, you know, experience in regards to gardening. But I did a little bit of research in regards to agriculture and uh, the fruits. Uh, and so I found out that there is at least 1,600 different kinds of bananas that exist. That's just bananas. There's a total number of plant species in the world is estimated 39,900 and approximately 1,000 to 2,000 species of plants that are actually edible by humans. So if you think about the limit, right, let's just say 2,000 
at what point do you get sick? You know what? I'm sick of eating the 2,000 amounts of different fruit that I can, of species, of plants. You know what? The only thing left is that tree. The truth is, is that Adam and Eve just became greedy, didn't they? It's like when we go to that sizzler night out. Is you, don't, you, don't, you don't just go bread and butter and, you know, feed on bread. You go straight to the steak. You go for the seafood. You go for the things that are, hey, it's, it's going to cost them. Before I leave, Sizzler's going to regret I came. <laughs> but see, God wasn't trying to eliminate the, ch- the choice. He still gives us. This is not a controlled, uh, uh, you know, that's it. You have, you're a Christian now. You're my creation. Therefore, you are not allowed to do this, that, and the other. And we understand there are guidelines and rules and regulations. But at the same time, God gives us these options and allows us the free will to choose. Verse 9, the Bible says that by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. So here is the description of choice. That thank God we are given a choice. And every single one of us is challenged. This is not a blind faith. Christianity is is you finding where God lives. It's you finding the God that loves you, the God that cares about you, the God that has a plan and a purpose for your life, uh, and you begin to do uh, uh, what the Word of God says in order to be able to meet with Him. Clark's commentary says, A good shepherd conducts his flock to the field where the good pasture is to be found. He watches them while they're there and brings them back again and secures them in the fold. Now think about the good shepherd, because here is Jesus Christ, not leading us to a place that would hurt us, not lead us to a place that would uh, cause us uh, 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 to be without, but rather to a location that he has for us that will meet every need. This is the nature of God. He's not going to try to destroy our lives. He has his best intentions for us. Matthew 18, 12 through to 14. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep, one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountain to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, surely I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of the Father who is in heaven that one of these should perish. Now think about that. How significant are you and I in the eyes of God? That He would leave the 99 to search for you. That He would take time out of His, no doubt, busy schedule with all the things that are happening in this life and say, you know what, I'm concerned about that one sheep, the lost sheep. Maybe has left. Maybe that chose the wrong door. Maybe that's all alone. Jesus says, I'm going to find it. Why? Because he's concerned about us. He wants us to be in his presence. 
He wants us to enter in. He wants us to be in His house so that He can minister, so that we can grow, so that we can have every need met that needs to be met. There's an Old Testament uh, character in the, in the Bible by the name of Naomi. This is in the book of Ruth. And Naomi was a woman that left her hometown full of life. She headed towards a place called Moab. And at that location, she lost everything. She was married. She had two sons. And because of devastating things that happened to her, she lost her husband, lost her two sons, and as a result was left with the two wives of the sons. She left full, but she came back empty. It's in Ruth chapter 1, verse 19 through to 20. The Bible says, Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. She's making the journey back home. And it happened when they came to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt with me very bitterly. This woman left full, but she came back bitter. This woman left with everything that she wanted, but when she came back, she was without and she immediately begins to take this personally. Why would God deal with me like this? Why would he treat me this way? Why am I faced with these circumstances? Why am I not seeing all that God has for me? And let me just say this. Just because we are entering in doesn't mean that we've seen everything God has for us. A lot of people are like, well... I came to church once, nothing changed. Well, I've been praying for the last week, two weeks, a month, a year, nothing's changed. I've been seeking God and there's no answer. Listen to me this evening. You have to understand that the pasture that God brings us to is going to meet every need. We need to trust Him. It's the revelation Ruth uh, uh, in the, uh, Naomi receives uh, in the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 14. Finally, the woman uh, said to Naomi, Bless be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. It is just a few chapters down and the circumstance changes. How tragic it is to witness when people come into church, they enter in, but they leave too soon before God is able to demonstrate His power. They get impatient, they grow restless, and now God has ushered them in, but of course He's not locking the door behind them. That door, we're not the Hotel California, okay? You can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. No, no, that's not the church. God gives us the choice. The choice to stay and to allow God to speak to us and the choice to just do our own thing. But thank God we have a woman who despite the circumstances, despite the temptation, I've got to move, I've got to change, I've got to get out of here. God deals with her. She said, I'm going back home. And there she finds the answer for her life. Let me just encourage you. We've entered in, and we're in the house of God tonight. 
And what God has for us is better than anything that's out there. So I want to look thirdly and in closing at the hinge to everlasting life. In the book of John alone, the Bible mentions everlasting life eight times. This is also mentioned in a positive way. And this is because everlasting life is something that God promises. Everlasting life is very significant because we can be promised so many things that are temporary. You can find a little bit of hope here and a little bit of joy and a little bit of satisfaction here and there. But when God speaks, He says, I'm going to take you to a place of everlasting life that's beyond anything this world can provide. How many bought a car and then all of a sudden, six months down the road, a year down the track, you <laughs> and you think, where is the everlasting life? <laughs> Why? Because that's the world. You buy a house, you move in, and there's cracks, and the carpet goes from <laughs> gray to brown to charcoal to... <laughs> Because it's not everlasting life, but Jesus says when you enter in to what I have for you, this is an everlasting experience. This is why we can read the Word of God. And every time when you, uh, when you read, it's not old, it's not, uh, uh, you know, it's not a re repetitious uh, bore, but rather it's alive, it's living, and it's able to apply to your everyday life. So here is what God's promising us. A location that will meet every need and will lead you to everlasting life. This is why Christianity is not a part of life, it is life. This is why we can come to church time and time again, sit under the same preacher time and time again and walk away going, God met with me tonight. God spoke to me. That's why we can wake up in the morning, open our Bible, pray, and lay a hold of God. It doesn't grow old. It doesn't grow stale. There's been times people said, well, how do you serve a God that, you know, Jesus was 2,000 years ago. That was so last week. Because He's everlasting. From the beginning of time till today. No one has seen everything God has planned. That means that at any moment, if you just keep serving God, He'll surprise you. Look, we haven't arrived, church. It's not like, yep, yeah, this is it. God's done everything He said He is going to do. And so now I'm just, I'm just hanging on. <laughs> no, 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 there's more. And it's the life, the everlasting life experience that we begin to live out. I don't know about you, but I want more of God.
But you need to realize this is not automatic. Again, Jesus says, anyone who comes in and goes out, it's up to you. But if you choose tonight to make a decision, as for me in my house, I'm going to serve God. As for me in my house, I'm going to do what God has spoken to me, has dealt with me. We begin to realize that the best life we can live is the one that is sold out for Jesus Christ. This is how we inherit eternal life. It is the faithfulness. It is us being willing to say, I will stay faithful in this faithless life that surrounds me. It's amazing to me at how today people go with every single trend. I read about, and uh, you know, just I just read the headline of some, uh, you know, twenty dollar uh, uh, product that one of these uh, uh, Jenners or Kardashians or you know what I don't know. They just they promoted it, and this thing sold immediately. That's what she uses. That's the secret to her fake life and fake smile and fake everything and I want it and I'm sure a lot of these people will use this product hate it but continue to use it because somebody else did listen to me the God that we serve is so good he is worth serving. He's unexplainable. He's unpredictable. He is limitless. And if we choose tonight to continue to serve Him, He will reveal to us all that He has in time. And we'll never be without. I want to quickly close off this evening. Why don't we have every head bowed and every eye closed? The door. Every head bowed and every eye closed. 